You are now tuned into the IBU podcast, episode number 58. My name is Jay Torres, and with me today is my co host, Nick Pro. Nick, what are we drinking tonight? Tonight's show beer, Jay, is a really anticipated beer from myself. It's been canned a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken, and I have yet to try it. And when I saw that it was being released on my birthday weekend, when I I took a trip down to Monterey and visited the fieldwork tap room down there for the first time, saw that it was on sale, didn't hesitate, said it would be a really good show beer. And here we are today. It's Eliza which is actually an imperial stout with a really cool twist. And I'll quickly, as I'm pouring it here, read the description from one of the, the best beer description writing breweries out today. Jay, w- wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Their descriptions are, are, are always on point. They, they're really creative. They're really well-written. Whoever at Fieldwork is responsible for that, Big props to you, um, or whatever. I guess if if it's a team, whoever the people are, great job. Anyway, let me get to it. Here it is. Uh, Fieldwork Eliza is our take on infusing the character of New Orleans iced coffee with the beastly imperial milk stout. Taking all the ingredients you would find in a cup of iced coffee in New Orleans, we added a complex and nutty single origin coffee from favorite local roaster. Catahoula Coffee Company. French chicory, organic cane sugar, and a hefty amount of milk sugar to give Eliza a thick and creamy texture in line with the drink that inspired it. Jay, I don't know about you, but this is definitely going to be my first New Orleans iced coffee inspired stout. Okay. I, I, I mean, I've never actually, I mean, I've had a nice coffee, of course. Yeah. Um, a New Orleans style, can't say I have, and I definitely haven't had a coffee that has been infused with those flavors. I don't know about you. Oh, man. You should... Uh, Blue Bottle, famously... Blue Bottle, uh, they, yes. Yeah, they were founded here. I'm, I'm pretty sure founded here in in, in the city. Mm-hmm. They Every time I go, I always order a New Orleans iced coffee from them. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Right it's on. Good. Yeah, I've yet to... You know what? I've yet to try it. They've opened a few new locations. They actually opened one right off of... Like you know where Twitter's headquarter Twitter's headquarters Twitter headquarter is on yeah. Market Street, San Francisco, of course. Yeah. There's one that they just opened like right down the street from that. Or like it's probably like thirty steps away. So um I walked by it recently and I've yet to actually walk in, but I definitely will I'll check this out. In the <laughs> yeah. meantime, we'll have the alcoholic version for tonight's show. Yeah, and it's kind of nice. You know, we've been doing the IPAs for a while now, and it's kind of <laughs> nice to do a, something other than an IPA, uh, something yeah. that's not golden or murky in appearance. Yeah, um, this actually. Yeah, wow. this is like pitch black. It looks like yeah. coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just kind of your uh, typical. I don't want to call it typical, but I guess classic stout or imperial stout look. Really inky black in terms of the color of the body and then a nice really fluffy mocha head on there um, it looks absolutely beautiful and actually smells pretty good as well uh, what do you get on the aroma jay yeah it, it's coming in at 10 percent. that's crazy yeah that's pretty strong yeah but well yeah when i take a uh, uh when i when i smell it coffee just jumps out man that's that's all i'm getting yeah definitely a little coffee. bit of the milk yeah, a little bit of the milk coming in as well. I'm not getting any of the alcohol on the aroma um, at either. all. No hotness at all coming in. Just kind of, kind of those coffee, 
uh, sugary kind of aromas coming off of the glass. Um, it looks absolutely great, and I think that it's time for us to jump in. Let's do this. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Wow. I can taste the alcohol. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the finish. Very far back end of the finish. I can definitely taste the 10%. But for me, I, hmm, I would hesitate to call it 10%. Um, to me, it tastes like it's imperial strength ish, but not in a harsh way. And this is something that we've discussed in previous shows, like with triple IPAs and talking about how well hidden the alcohol content is. And on this one, wow, it is. <laughs> It's there, and I can recognize it because I've had a, a few, you know, over nine, over ten percent uh, beers in my day. So I know that that's—I don't know that that—that's the ABV level, but I, I know that it's substantial. But I'm not getting any burn on this, Jay. This is whoa! Like right off the bat, one of the best finishing imperial stouts at this in this ABV range that I've had, and the only one that I could really think of that has been comparable to this or similar to it was the one that we did for our 50th episode, um, the Russian Imperial Stout from, from Stone. I can, I can taste the, uh, the 10%. I wouldn't call it a burn, but I could definitely taste it um, as it goes down. I wouldn't call it a burn, but I know this is definitely a strong beer, a 10% beer. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of flavor, it tastes exactly what, it, what the description says, a New Orleans iced coffee Mixed, you know, uh, with the uh, Imperial Milk Stout. It's exactly what it tastes like. And really? I'm super impressed with it so far. Yeah, you, you definitely get those notes from the chicory and the sugar coming in. Uh, it's definitely sweet. Um, it's mm-hmm. definitely It definitely has that kind of that sweet or infused kind of iced coffee type of flavor that you would imagine. Um, I've had other similar types of iced coffees, and the one that I, I can think of that is somewhat reminiscent of this that I'm kind of reminded of is something like a like a like a chai iced tea coffee kind of deal. Yeah. Um, kind of some similar notes in there, but overall, yeah, this is this is going down really smoothly, and to me, the ABV is really well hidden. And I mean, I would guess this was I don't know maybe coming in at like an eight percent. Or, or a high seven. Um, it definitely tastes like the ABV is substantial, but 10%, I would not I would not guess that in a, in a million years for this. Yeah, I wouldn't guess 10%. 8% sounds about right, um, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to notice the 10% as we drink this. Yeah, I mean, needless to say, folks, you're, you're probably catching on to this, but the... <laughs> This is dangerously drinkable. Yes. I mean, this yes. is going down. I've already killed probably like a quarter of my glass Holy and <laughs> and barely have noticed it. I mean, this is super easy drinking. Um, like Jay mentioned, <laughs> we're kind of we, we've been joking as of late that we're turning into the IPA podcast. And um, <laughs> like I said, when I saw that this was available, I just immediately thought to myself, show beer. Um, yeah. So I'm wow, and getting getting a little bit of chocolate too, mm-hmm. some of that nuttiness, some of that roastiness. Um, it, it's yeah, but it's not it's it, it's not excessive. It's coming in just really nicely, and 
to me, the, the, the flavors that are going on here, really interesting, really complex, but really well balanced at the same time. And again, just <laughs> it's going, <laughs> going down so smoothly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like, like you said, Jay, this is going to, yeah, I think we're going to be, uh, <laughs> it's going to show at the end. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. But, uh, speaking of field work, Jay, I just wanted to quickly mention that, um, besides that trip that I mentioned that I, when I picked this up and sampled a few of the a few of the other beers that they had on tap, such so as Pulp, uh, they had a really great batch of Pulp, uh, which is a New England IPA, uh, on on tap. But as of late, I actually visited uh, field work. I believe it was yeah, it was Friday. We're recording Monday, so this past Friday, I took a trip down because they released cans of coffee and milk IPA. Mm-hmm. Speaking of coffee and milkiness. It was actually one of my favorite, it still is, I guess you could say, but more on that in a minute, one of my favorite fieldwork beers ever, and I um, tried it over at Tasty Beverage's house uh, about, I think it was in March of last year, if I'm not mistaken, so almost a year ago, and it was, it's it, if you look at it, it's like a West Coast looking style IPA. Um, a lot of the signature kind of fieldwork notes that you have with that type of style, but with coffee infused. And I know it sounds weird because you, you, you want to drink a coffee infused stout or, or a porter, but right. not an IPA. It just sounds yeah. wrong. Yeah. But it was it was so right in, in, in all like the, the weirdest ways imaginable. And it just worked. And it was actually one of my favorites. I gave it a five actually oh, on Untapped. Wow. Yeah. So when I, I went on Friday, they had cans of it. I was really excited, and I got there, and they were like, yeah, we're sold out. And I was just like, oh. But luckily, they were actually doing crowlers. So I actually picked up a couple crowlers, and I cracked one the other day and discovered that, unfortunately, they tweaked the recipe. And it's something that I've been noticing that Fieldwork has been doing as of late in that they've been really heavily leaning towards just making all of their IPAs. Not all of their IPAs. I, I take that back. But a lot of their IPAs hazier and more kind of that New England style uh, that we really enjoy. And I saw that they did this to the coffee and milk IPA. So I was kind of excited because based on my current likes and loves in the beer world, it's something that I would probably enjoy. But I was pretty sad to to see or to taste that the tweaks that they made really didn't didn't really translate into the beer being as good or even better than it was last time. And it was really the first time we talked about it before on the show, right, Jay, with Minesweeper from Alvarado Street and kind of the tweaking that they've done with that. This was an exception to my normal propensity towards that that hazy style. And the first thing that I thought of was, man, they should have kept it more West Coast and more uh, transparent yeah. and and that kind of style. It really worked a lot better with the coffee. So um, anyway, field work. Other than that, though, they've been they've been doing absolutely just outstanding in terms of their releases they they've really just been on fire lately and um had a ton of events during beer week it didn't make it to any for field work but did make it to a few others uh jay why don't you let the folks know uh what you did in terms of beer week activities in your neck neck of the woods sure um to be honest last week was crazy busy uh with work and and just stuff at home. So I, I didn't really get to, I had a whole bunch of stuff that I wanted to check out, but didn't end up going to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, uh, I made it out to one event. Um, but before I talk about that, I, 
I actually picked up, I think I mentioned it on the last episode, I picked up a six-pack of the Foggy IPA cans mm-hmm. uh, from Santa Clara, the, the Whole Foods in Santa Clara. This was the mm-hmm. collaboration between, uh, it was Speakeasy and the Malt Place. <laughs> I forget. Admiral Maltings. There you go. Either Admiral Maltings. Yeah. So I picked up a six-pack from, from the Whole Foods. And I, w- I had plans to go check it out, the release on, on that Friday, but mm-hmm. I had, um, so I cracked open a few cans during the week and I had a couple and I was like, uh, I was not too impressed. I was, I had a whole, I finished the whole six pack, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the week and I, I thought it would get better or my palate was compromised for, or for whatever reason, I was just wasn't getting the best, uh, can that day for whatever reason, but yep. I did not enjoyed at all i gave it a two and a half on on untapped two and a half oh, yeah it was it was like it was forgettable that, bad, I think that, huh? was, that was my one word comment on it was it was just forgettable like wow. it was nothing to write home about it was just like a a crappy ipa to be honest i, I felt mm-hmm. i feel bad saying that but it, i just i it didn't do anything for me so i i kind of i'm kind of glad that i did pick up that six pack and mm-hmm. i didn't have to go to, you know that would be a waste of a trip to go to the release on friday and like have more of that you know crappy ipa sorry to say that <laughs> but uh, i did make up for it so the one true event that i ended up going to was on friday okay. uh, my wife and i had a free moment in the afternoon to stop by ibu milpitas um ibu yeah, for their tom, uh, they did a, a release of the uh, Tomahawk uh, double IPA, and okay. that was a collaboration between Seven Stills and Alvarado Street. Oh yeah, that's right. So we went in, and it was like three, no, no, like two, three, three between two and three p.m. in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. It was not busy at all. It was just like the normal people who were there, okay, just having a drink on a Friday afternoon, and. I picked up a four pack and we sat down and had I had a, a pint on tap and then she got I forgot what she got already it was like a Belgian style okay um, I forget I'll I'll put a link in the show notes once I remember what she got <laughs> um, but it was damn good uh, I had it on tap and if I felt like it wasn't uh, they didn't chill it enough it wasn't cold oh. like it was just like kind of like warm and I was like okay this is good but it could be a lot better if yeah. it was like a little bit more cold. Yeah. So I took the four pack home and that first can was just like, oh, it was so good. I finished really? the entire four pack like in like in two days. It was Ooh. it was damn good. I gave it a four seven five on untapped. Oh wow. And so you finished all four. I finished didn't, all four. Didn't save me one. I I see how it is, Jay. <laughs> you know what, dude? I had it in my head. I was like, this would be a great show beer. Uh, like, this is so as, good though. As you were drinking the fourth one, this would be a great show beer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> you know what I should have done? I should have just like set aside two, not put them in the fridge, because like it was one of those nights where it was just like they were ah, just going down so smooth. Yeah, man, it was it was it was damn good. Like nah, it, it completely made up for the foggy IPA, but um, yeah, no, definitely. You know, and obviously I'm just messing around, but um, <laughs> no, I, it was in my head. I had I, I thought of, I thought of us. I thought of the show. I thought of you, but. uh I was like, man, this is the only beer that I have in my fridge, man. And yeah, yeah. I had to break in case of emergency. <laughs> break in case <laughs> of emergency. Ding. All right. So basically, uh, my thoughts on this really quickly are, first of all, Seven Stills, San Francisco-based brewery. 
Um, I heard some so-so things about them when they first opened. And now from what I've seen and heard from you and, and, and a couple of my buddies, they're really, they're really on the right track to really cranking out some really good juice really <laughs> for lack of a better yeah, way of they were the it. they were the hosting breweries so it was in collaboration with alvarado so they they did the hosting of the of the beer that's, so that's that's awesome impressed yeah yeah and the one i really wanted to try was their i forgot what it was called i think it may have been like a guava milkshake uh, a couple of my buddies had some cans of that and unfortunately I wasn't able to try it but seven stills there sounds like they're really making the right moves and i think that they are a, a definite for a future show beer on an upcoming can release. I I definitely agree, man. If, if you so. save me, if you save me a can, so <laughs> bastard. All right, all right. How was your beer week? It was good. It was good. I I didn't do anything. Um, I didn't go anywhere for an ex- for too long of a period of time. I didn't like spend like a whole night. Yeah. out like I did at the gala or anything like that. But I stopped by a couple of uh, random events. And the first one was Tuesday night at Toronado. Um, I think I mentioned last show or the one before that, that they had just a really killer lineup that week or last week for beer week. And their Tuesday night was Oregon night. And what caught my eye, of course, was that they were featuring Great Notion and we've spoken a lot about Great Notion on the show. I visited mm-hmm. their brewery a few months back when I took a trip up to Portland, and they're easily one of my favorite breweries out today in the country, ever, anywhere. So <laughs> I was very excited. A couple of my buddies were excited. We were all talking about going. It ended up that I just I went after work uh, solo. I ran into a couple of my buddies there just randomly, which was cool. But I digress. Um, obviously, I was there for Great Notion, and more specifically, I was there for Great Notion hops, IPAs, pale ale, whatever they had. And mm-hmm. you know, we were kind of speculating, my friends and I, okay, what are they going to have? How many kegs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, Tornado, as they as they often do on their Twitter, I think on their Facebook page as well, um, they post a shot of their board, and they did that early in the day on Tuesday. And there was one beer from Great Notion, which was um, Call Me, or I think it was the full name is I Love It When You Call Me Big Papaya, which was a uh, (laughs) great name. Yeah, great name, Uh, which was a obviously a a papaya infused sour. And Great Notion, obviously, they they make great hoppy beers. but They also make great sours. So I was intrigued and kind of wondered and, and, you know, again, me and my buddies talking about it, um, if they would be putting up some hoppy beers later on in the night, just kind of saving the best for last kind of thing. So I showed up, um, had a couple of pours of the papaya. It was really, really good. I think I checked it in on untapped and gave it like a four or five or something like that. Um, just they're, they're just, they're on fire at great notion. I mean, just whether it's sour or hot or hoppy, um, whichever one they're, they're just, they're really brewing some great beer up there. Needless to say, or ultimately, um, they did not tap any other uh, great notion beers that oh, was it that one damn. keg of that and that was it so oh, sad trombone bummer and yeah it was one of those where it's like hey you know um as i do in a lot of these instances it's i kind of think to myself and say okay if i don't show up or i ask myself if if you don't show up tonight will you regret it tomorrow if it turns out that they did have those beers that you wanted and if the answer is yes then then i go <laughs> so <laughs> you win you win some you lose some oh well um, so anyhow, speaking of losing some on Thursday, 
I was working in the city and I was working nearby Pie Bar, which is on Valencia mm-hmm. Street. And yep. in previous years, they've tapped Pliny the Younger. And um, I was kind of driving by and it was about two o'clock or so. And there was a pretty good line outside of Pie Bar lined up. Uh-oh. So right away, I knew that they were going to have the Younger. Uh-oh. And yeah, so I kind of said to myself, okay, um, cool. I know that they always open at 314 pie time and (laughs) i figured okay that line's looking pretty good right now maybe it'll just kind of not get too outrageous um i'll come back uh a little bit after that time and i've actually have done that in previous years where i've actually been able to to score some younger my buddies and i would get there right after opening or so so i figured i'd have a chance i was right i was working right nearby so i showed up at 322 um what is that eight minutes Yeah. yeah so eight minutes after opening and it, it was the keg was kicked, so the, oh. they had one. They usually have one younger keg when they do it, and it was it was gone. So obviously the line turned kind of out of control. They let everybody that was in line in, and they got two or three pours or whatever the limit was, and that was it. So it was one of those wow. where you know I'm not gonna go wait in line somewhere. I'm not gonna go out of my way. But hey, if I'm right, if I'm like right there, you know, what yeah. the hell, right? Sure. So anyway, that was it. Um, wasn't too bent out of shape about it. I actually went around the corner and stopped by Big Wreck, which is the sister location to Crafty Fox. And um, Big Wreck is a really, really cool place. Um, it's right off of Mission Street. I don't know if it's on Mission Street proper. I don't have the address handy. Um, but it's uh, it's called Big Wreck, B-I-G-R-E-C, two separate words, tap room. Check it out if you're in the city. Uh, you're looking for a cool spot. They have great food as well. Uh, just to shout out the um, the owner and the gentleman that was serving me that day, Pedro, uh, really cool guy. Um, they had some great beers on tap. They had actually had a Temescal tap takeover, I think, one day, and then the next day was like a Beechwood Brewing mm-hmm. down in Southern mm-hmm. California takeover. Yep. So they had just a, like, just a stack board of their two beers. And I had a couple of pours of La Fizz, which I think I mentioned last show, which was a uh, a, a whopping 3.8% ABV sparkling grapefruit ale, nice. which yeah. is which is probably the most refreshing beer that I've ever had in my life, by the way. So um, <laughs> no, nice. shout, shout out to Temescal. They're, they're, they're really making some, some great beer right now. Um, but anyway, I stopped by there for a couple pours of that. Later on, I stopped by Crafty Fox proper for their Moonraker tap takeover. And I had a couple of pours of the Hermit, which is their single New England style IPA, which is outstanding. And then their Holy Hermit, which I believe was my first time having it, which was like, I think, I don't know if I gave it a 4.5 or a 4.75, but the Holy Hermit double IPA from Moonraker, outstanding. I, I, it's one of my favorite Moonraker beers that I've ever tried. It was just, it just blew my socks off. It was, it was really, wow. really great. Nice. Um, yeah, also stopped by uh, Beer Hall. Shout out to them in San Francisco. They had some Moonraker cans there, and I picked up some Zambone double IPA from Moonraker. And it was previously known as Zamboni Haze, which I really enjoyed. I uh, gave it a four, four, five, I believe it was. And um, Moonraker, a lot of cans available in the Bay Area for Beer Week. And I just um, hope that that is a sign of things to come. And yeah. yeah, they start distributing more down here. Moonraker, obviously, great, great brewery. To me, they're they're running northern northern california kind of the sacramento area there's there's no brewery better better than them up there um so i hope that they start distributing down here more last thing i do want to mention before moving on is i did uh, meet up with a couple of my buddies um 
Chris, Damien, Pecone, what's up? We met up at Cellar Maker on Friday, and it just happened to be the birthday of Kelly, um, one of the owners over there and a great friend of ours, and just wanted to wish her a happy birthday. They brought out a cake for her. It was it was really great. And, of course, they had Turok juice. Excuse me, Turok. Yeah, no, Turok juice. I got. We talked about it last show. I just wanted to <laughs> shout it out again. It was It's one of their best beers. It's amazing. But... The real star of the show that I want to shout out is Orange Julian. They had it back on tap for Beer Week. Best batch of Orange Julian that the Cellar Maker has ever brewed. I had a, a pour or two of that. And um, that is my recap. So pretty pretty eventful. Um, kind of stopped in in, in in a few different places. And starting with the gala until the final um, thing that I went to at Cellar Maker, which actually wasn't even a thing. It was just kind of my final stop. Yeah. I would say it was a pretty good Beer Week. Yeah, it sounds like you had a jam-packed one. I mean, I, I wish I had more time to go to uh, a few of these events, but uh, yeah, that sounds sounds like you had a good time. It was good. It was good. And actually, it was so good that you had to remind me of it because I almost forgot about it before we went on air. So yeah. <laughs> jog my memory. <laughs> <laughs> I know we had a jam-packed show as it was, but uh, yeah. Um, so we have another uh, article from our favorite uh, magazine, online yes. magazine paste magazine and why don't you tell us about this whole thing going on between stone and miller coors this whole debacle i think yeah, is, is the word you're it's looking for there no yeah it's very interesting and if you haven't heard loyal listener stone brewing is actually suing or as I don't know, entered into a lawsuit, brought a lawsuit against whatever the terminology is, Miller Coors for their Keystone Light brand. And Stone is alleging that, um, first of all, let me just say that uh, Keystone last year, at some point in 2017, I don't know exactly when because I haven't had any Keystone Light since I was in college. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever had it. <laughs> oh, I've had it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my. Anyway. You've had plenty. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't remind me. So anyway, they they rebranded, I guess you could say, and what they started doing was they started breaking up the key and the stone in their name, and you can really see it in their current can design, which it it, the the key and the stone is staggered, so it's kind of like the top level is key dash, and then below that is stone, and then below that is light, so it kind of makes the circle around the can in that order, so that if you tilt the can a certain way, it says stone light. And this is something, and they've been really, you know, kind of really going with that theme in terms of their advertising. They, they call them um, stones, like they, apostroph- they do apostrophe stone instead of like a keystone. They call them, quote unquote, stones. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and in a lot of their advertising and marketing, they, they kind of play off of that. And in a lot of like the way that they position the cans, it's just a stone light. So obviously, um, word got back to stone and on... Friday, I believe it was, they actually released a video on YouTube, and it was one of the founders, uh, Greg Koch, no relation to Jim Koch, who likes to have a nice teaspoon What a of coincidence. <laughs> likes a nice teaspoon of yeast before he imbibes. Um, <laughs> no relation, no relation. So Greg uh, went on YouTube, and he basically announced this lawsuit that they were... Um, t- what? The, I can't find the verb wordage here, Jay. The lawsuit that they initiated against uh, Miller Coors, whatever, you know what I mean. Yeah. So <laughs> filed, anyway, filed a lawsuit. Filed, yes. That's, thank you. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm about not even halfway. So I think <laughs> your assessment on this show beer was correct, Jay. So anyway, 
Um, so anyway, th this video, you know, um, Greg is on there and he's, you know, kind of, I think a lot of the attitude that is Stone and their persona or the persona of their gargoyle, gargoyle or however you want to word it, a lot of that comes from Greg Koch. And um, on this video, you know, obviously he's very, I don't want to say he's animated, but, you know, it's, it's, it kind of starts off serious, but then it kind of, as the video progresses, there's, you know, he kind of does a couple of funny things. Um, the one thing that obviously st stood out to me was he said, you know, of course I could do a shot where I drink the beer and I spit it out, you know, but I don't, we're not going to do that. And then as he's saying it, they actually do, they do do like a slow motion, uh, like okay. spitting out the keystone. Yeah. So, um, the line that really stuck out, stuck out to me was, um, at one point, uh, Koch says, are we doing this for publicity? Question mark. Um, he asked the camera in his announcement and, um, He's, he then answers, no, this is a weird way to get publicity because it really doesn't talk about the attributes of our beer, which is what we like to do. But it, it just, it kind of, the, the first thing that stood out to me was, well, the first first thing was good for Stone. Um, they're standing up to big beer. They're really protecting their intellectual property and they're doing what they need to do as a business to protect their brand. And kudos to them, and especially you know, having the guts and the resources to go up against big beer. So thumbs up all around. But as I kind of, as I read up on it some more and I, and I took a step back and I looked at the video and thought about it and, and said, well, they're saying it's not for publicity, but why are they doing a YouTube video? You know, why are they doing it in a way <laughs> of, right? yeah, I mean, why are they doing it in a way of, you know, kind of making it a little bit humorous, kind of, you know, drawing attention to themselves and, of course, they, they would respond and they probably have responded and saying, well, we wanted to draw attention to what we're doing with the lawsuit and, you know, get people on our side and, you know, kind of point out, you know, all the wrongdoing that that Miller Coors is doing with their with their Keystone Light brand. But I don't know, it just if, if you're going to do it for publicity, at least kind of in the same vein of being real and having attitude, say that you're doing it for publicity. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I it just the thing that struck me about it was that they would do it in that way, but then claim, Oh, it's, it's totally just to, just to announce the lawsuit that, that part didn't sit well with me. Um, but, uh, just a couple of quick points to make here and we'll have some links in the show notes. There are a couple of um, articles and people out there on the interwebs that have really looked at the issue, broken it down, um, you know, dissected the lawsuit, for example, check out at B underscore pal Freeman, um, We'll have the spelling in the show notes. Um, he is a craft beer lawyer. Um, you can find him on his Twitter page, and uh, he breaks down. If you scroll down, you'll see it on his timeline, just kind of all the ins and outs of the article or the lawsuit. And, um, you know, just it's a good way of looking at everything. It's really good analysis. Um, also, Good Beer Hunting, which is a really, uh, really great yeah. website. Mm -hmm. They have a really nice article breaking down um, the pros and the cons or just different sides of the argument, if you will. And, you know, good luck to Stone. It's it's from from my just casual reading of this and understanding of it, it really is an uphill battle because they need to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Miller Coors is really infringing on their intellectual property and really trying to confuse the consumers, you know, and, and trick them into thinking that this Keystone Light is 
Stonelight. Um, so it, it, it is going to be difficult, um, but I, I hope they come out on top. I hope they win. Um, Jay, did you check out the video? Any thoughts? I, no, I didn't check out the video. I did skim through the article, and my take is I don't know why they need to do this. I think um, I, there is no way that you can confuse Keystone and Stone Brewing. There is absolutely no way. I don't think Stone even makes a, a light beer. No. Right. So it's like they really don't need to do this. I feel like Stone is big enough at this point or they're well known, they're well known enough within the craft beer community that they they have a brand, you know, they have the gargoyle yeah. and and I think this is just I don't know, maybe they've got a chip on their shoulder and they want to prove to Miller Coors that hey, you're not going to even if this was trying to play off of our name, I don't think Stone Brewing needs to do anything. I feel like their brand is is strong enough, and they're more they're they're well known enough that they don't need to to protect their 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 brand uh, by going after Miller Coors. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like they should take the high road. Um, they don't yeah. need to do this. They don't need to waste money. They don't need to like like yeah. I don't know. I think trying to pr- prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that uh, Miller Coors is is infringing on their intellectual property, I, like I don't think they have enough. I like I I honestly don't know how, what what evidence or whatever they're gonna what evidence they're gonna you know put in front of the judge or the court. Yeah. But it's like why go through all of this unless you have a chip on your shoulder to you know to waste resources and and try to. I don't know, Sue Miller Coors. I think just, I don't know, this is just me. If I were running Stone Brewing, I would just be like, just keep doing what I'm doing. Just keep making good beer. Yeah. And and if 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 Miller Coors is trying to play off of our name and brand Keystone Light to make it look like Stone Brewing, then that means we're doing something right, right? Like if, if you don't have yeah. anybody hating on you, then you're not, then you're not doing something right. So yeah. I feel like, they I like I haven't watched the video. I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm, I'll make sure to watch it after the fact. But I yep. feel like they really don't need to do this. And I feel uh, this is coming from. This is my own personal opinion, as someone uh, who was born and raised in San Diego. Uh, Stone is one of the last few original craft uh, brewers from San Diego who hasn't sold out. I think they need to just keep doing what they're doing. And because, you know, what, ha- you know, yeah, they, they take them to court. What if, what if they lose? Then what, how's that going to look? I don't know. I, I, I really don't think that they should move forward with this or even start this in, in the whole in, in the first place. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. That's just just that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. And I can I can definitely see that side of the argument, Jay. And the one thing that came to mind while you were saying everything that you were saying was you know, it really stuck out to me when you said something along the lines of there's no one that would confuse the two. And exactly. Yeah. You have, you have the people who are buying Keystone and Keystone light and you have the people who are actively looking for stone brewing. Those are two different sets yeah. of people in my opinion. Well, they, they are and they aren't. And I'll, and I'll say it this way. It's like, I agree and I disagree with your statement. Um, I agree in the sense that we'll, we would never confuse the two meaning craft beer, aficionados or 
you know, I would even argue to say, I would even agree in the sense of saying uh, even a casual craft beer fan that somebody that knows who Stone Brewing is even casually wouldn't ever confuse, you know, Keystone and them. But I disagree in, 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 in the statement or the thought of um, just kind of the beer drinker in general wouldn't confuse the two. And I think that that is definitely possible. And I would point to something that was brought up in this whole lawsuit. And that is the fact that somebody actually emailed Stone and asked about where they could find this new Stone Light beer that they were making. And sure, it was only one instance and one email that they received asking this, but I think that that is indicative of the casual beer drinker, somebody who is familiar with Keystone Light that has seen Stone or the Gargoyle in passing and maybe is thinking, oh, they're doing a light beer now? Maybe that's a way that I can you know, sample their beer because I like light beer, you know? Um, but anyway, it, it's just something, it's interesting to think about it in that, in that sense. And, um, the other point I do want to make Jay is that I agree in the sense that, Hey, you know, stone, even though they're one of the craft beer leaders or one of the originals or one of the pioneers, their market share is not Miller core status. It's, it's probably oh, yeah, not even ab- Keystone status. No, so not absolutely not. If they're going to, if they're going to potentially receive increased sales from people mistaking Keystone Light with Stone and buying a Stone IPA or something, hey, I mean that's you know that's 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 good for them, right? That's good for them. So I think that there's a lot to be said um, for taking the high road. And hey, it's maybe something that the guys over at Stone should have considered. I I, I don't know. I think I feel like I don't know. This is just me because I notice these things. I don't know about you, but when you go to, like, okay, someone who would buy St- Keystone or Stone, they mm-hmm. would probably buy beer at a normal grocery store like a Safeway mm-hmm. or a Lucky, right? And yeah. I don't know about you, but I always notice that all the beer, all the big beer, and especially the cheap beer, is all the way on the far, far right of the uh, of the case, yep. refrigerated case, right? So you got the Bud Light, you got the Paps, you got the True. Keystone, you got the Natty, all on the far, far right, and then you. The more you move to the left, you get more of the main, main street stuff, and then on the far left, you get the craft stuff. And yeah. I feel like it's it wouldn't. I don't think you can confuse the two. Mm-hmm. I, I, but you know, I you know, there's always exceptions to the case. I feel like somebody could just be like walking back and forth, back and forth, and they see stone, they remember, they recognize the the word stone, and they yeah. see it on one end or the other, and then they, they'll get the too confused i could see that happening but i don't know just that, that's just me because i i notice these things like yeah. the big cheap beers on the right yeah all the way to the <laughs> left is like the all right i should be in this section <laughs> yeah yeah no totally, totally but anyway we'll uh be keeping a close eye on it yeah on the show, that, of I, course. i'm keen to see i i, I want to follow this yeah definitely and, and obviously we'll have any updates that come up in the case in the future uh, but until then, Jay, we do have a nice another article from our favorite Lakers fan over at Bloomberg, <laughs> our buddy Mark Gurman, and he actually came out with a really, really good article. I've been waiting to see something like this from him for a while. He hasn't come up with one of these big, um, right. I don't say bombshells, but you know, one of these really juicy articles regarding yep. um, the future of Apple and upcoming announcements, products, things that they're working on. Um, Jay, why don't you tell us about the um, article in Bloomberg? 
Yeah, so just a little bit of background. So Mark Gurman used to work for 9to5Mac, and he was like the guy who had the biggest scoops on like unannounced Apple hardware, software, just plants in general. And I, I don't know how long ago, but he he left 9to5Mac and joined Bloomberg. Like he's yeah. big time now. <laughs> and now he works for Bloomberg. And when he first started writing his articles, there were a number of them that were always him and somebody else. It was it wasn't just him in the byline, and the 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 style of the article conformed to Bloomberg style, and mm-hmm. it wasn't uh, it was very different from his nine to five Mac articles. And the way that you could tell was um, whenever he had a scoop, it would always say like you know they would have a quote from a source. And then it would always say people familiar with the matter or um, someone familiar with the whatever. And it was mm-hmm. always like Bloomberg's very safe, like, OK, we don't want to get uh, our information wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was always like it wasn't Mark Gurman's uh, writing like his tone wasn't there. It was just very different. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how long it's been over a year at least. Uh, but now he comes out two years. I, I think, think it's been almost, like yeah. two years. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. So now he comes out with this uh, article in Bloomberg, just him in the byline by Mark Gurman and the title of the article, how Apple plans to root out bugs, revamp iPhone software. And it's been a talking point for how long now that Apple's software has kind of taken uh, turn for the worse. There's like more and more bugs. We've talked about them here on the show. There was mm-hmm. the um, the root bug in Mac OS 10 where you can just uh, you can log in as root without uh, a password. Uh, bugs in iOS, just just not the usual Apple that we're used to. Yeah. And this uh, article covers a lar- a, a, a big amount of of topics um one of the things so so he was talking about uh, the article talks about stuff that they're going to announce uh, upcoming in this uh, summer's WWDC uh the develop- developer conference where they announce new versions of iOS, macOS, tvOS and watchOS mm-hmm. and one of the biggest things that he talked about in this article was a single set of apps to work across the iPhone, the iPad and the Mac um other things, uh, digital health to help parents monitor child uh, phone usage. And one of the things that he mentioned was that Apple is going to slow down their pace of software development. And instead of doing uh, a, a big amount of features year after year, they're going to kind of slow down and they're still going to do big uh, user uh, features uh, um, they're going to announce big user features for iOS and macOS, but also behind the scenes, they're going to make everything more stable. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this will, you know, take care of the fact that the software has been buggy. Um, but this also means that they're going to hold back features that they were planning to announce this summer. And uh, since, you know, they they only have so many people and they're going to, mm-hmm announce a few new features, but also do things in the background. So some of the things that they're going to hold back, um, I I think they're going to hold back uh, updated home screen. So they had 
plan for this summer. The home screen was going to be all new instead of just mm. the grid of icons. They're going to, I don't know what they were going to introduce, but it was just going to be brand new home screen, uh, brand new uh, CarPlay home screen or interface. And that's not going to be here uh, this year. Some mm. of these the features for the iPad, uh, it seems like that they're going to do iPad fe- uh, new iPad features every other year now. So some of the things that got pushed back to next year was several windows in one app. So right now you can only just one app has a window and that's it. But uh, they were they're planning to do several in- windows in one app and that's going to get pushed back. Mm-hmm. Updates to Apple Pencil, that's going to get pushed back. Uh, and let's see, what else did they have here? Toggle in email app that will mute notifications from specific threads. And it's, I don't know, man, it's, I, I, I get why they're doing this. And I actually, I, I'm actually in favor of this. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that it, that it leaked out this far in advance. Um, yeah. I remember back in the mid two thousands, uh, updates to Mac OS were, mm-hmm. they were like every year and a half to two years. Yeah. And I was okay with that. Like I was honestly okay with that. I didn't, obviously I didn't know any better, but mm-hmm. it was just like every year and a half, a new Mac OS or back then OS 10 update would come out and they have all these great new features. And I couldn't wait to spend $130. Can you believe that? $130. Whereas we, we, we get them remember. for free now. Yeah. For $130 sure. for, for a new OS update. But now they're going to kind of scale back. And I kind of, I actually missed those days because they actually took their time. And the time, there was enough time that passed by that you were kind of looking forward to these new updates, these new releases. Mm-hmm. And now with the with iOS especially, they were on this like yearly update schedule and you can only do that for so long and and i'm like they can't do it forever and i remember famously um when ios was still fairly new they actually had an announcement that said hey we're not going to update mac os uh we're pushing back the update a couple of months because everybody's working on the on the iphone operating system leopard yeah that right there like that was like almost like you know eight years ago and and for that, like to see the story come out, I'm actually in favor of it. I think they could do a lot with the extra time. I mean, you look at the HomePod. HomePod like famously has features that it's shipping without features that they said mm-hmm. uh, at, at the time of announcement. And yeah, all the bugs that we're seeing in iOS and macOS. I'm actually in favor of this. I can't. Yeah. You know, obviously, I want to see the, the the new features, but I also want to see the the stability at the same time. What do you What do you think? Uh, I, I'm 100 percent agree, and it's I think that you know us Jay, like you mentioned a little bit of the history, and you know remembering Snow Leopard, for example, yes. and them famously Apple. And I th- I think it was Jobs himself. I, my memory's a little foggy. At this point, too much iced coffee. But (laughs) I I, I remember him or somebody saying, you know, uh, announcing the operating system and it's saying no new features Mm -hmm. at the the keynote. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that in previous years, you know, reading up on, you know, the the tech enthusiast blogs and websites, you know, a lot of folks out there have been asking or hoping that Apple would kind of push the reset button and do a Snow Leopard release for 
the next iOS release or macOS. And I think that all signs are pointing towards that. But my first reaction to the German article, which again is is great, and this is German at his, at his finest, and this is what we look for when when you know he comes out with an article. And I think that the important thing to understand with that article is, I mean, he's throwing a lot of stuff out and he's talking about his sources or people familiar with the matter. And, you know, uh, this is going to get shelved for now or pushed back or whatever. But really, it, I'm, I'm just curious to see what does get announced and how Apple frames it, because, yep. you know, public perception is really important. And, you know, I think that the public, the general public and people that the only Apple that they know is iOS um, are used to the the year over year improvements and all the new features that come out. And, you know, yep. they're, they're accustomed to that. So how are they going to frame that? How are they going to present that to the general public without looking like they're slacking or, you know, not providing them with enough new features? And my first thought after reading the article was, is Apple really going to frame it that way? Is Apple going to really do a Snow Leopard type of approach where they say, quote unquote, no new features? Um, and especially after reading all the features that Gurman did list. And even if you look at the ones that he's saying that are going to be coming out with iOS 12, those sound like a pretty good set of features to me. Um, yeah. Definitely read the article and read, and read everything. Um, it was just kind of weird. It seems almost contradictory to read the article and, 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 and read Gurman saying, oh, they're not going to have any new features and they push all these things back. But here are all the things that they are coming out with. And all the things that they are coming out with, it's, to me, it almost sounds like a regular yeah. iOS release, something that yeah, they I would agree. say on stage. They would probably be able to... What he, and, and, Let's just assume that the article is correct. What he did list in the article, I could see that being in a, in a, in a keynote and being the X amount of tentpole features. They could probably yeah. stretch that out to 10 features like they have been the last few yeah. years. Yeah. So it's just something... Um, I don't doubt his reporting and I don't doubt his sources because he has a tremendous track record. Um, I, I do believe what he's saying, but the one thing that I'm really skeptical about is Apple, you know, coming out and saying, okay, we're pressing the reset button. Okay. This is what we're doing differently. I think that if they're going to do that, they're not going to announce it. They're not no. going to tell everybody. They're no. just going to, they're just going to do it. And I think that what they're doing now is they're rearranging resources. Um, you know, the developers, the people working on different projects, they are definitely hitting the reset button. I believe that 100%. But the, the, the main thing that I'm really skeptical about is, is them sharing that with yeah. the public. Yeah, right? I don't think they're going to do that. I think um, their marketing team is one, probably one of the best in the industry. They're very good at, like, telling the story. Like, if you look at the HomePod, I always thought it was very creepy at how much they push that oh the home pod is a speaker first it's got the greatest sound and it's like yeah like i see right through that bs it's just like it's it is it's a smart home speaker like yes and it sounds really really good but you don't have to like you know your your brainwashing doesn't work on me like i, I can see right <laughs> through it um they're gonna do their best marketing they're gonna do their best pr to spin this as you know we've got this i they're, they're probably gonna say like oh we the new iOS has all these great fe features, and we're also we also made it very stable. We also fixed all. They're not, they're not going to say fixed all the bugs, but they're just going to say they're going to spin it. They're going to spin. They're going to make positive. They're going to make that one of the main features. They're yeah, gonna, they're going to frame yeah. it in they're, a way of saying, "Hey, check this it, out." 
Exactly. It's more stable. However, yeah. they're gonna, however the masters, however Schiller is gonna yeah. come out with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I yeah, totally. That that's I yeah. I guarantee they're if if this is true, they're gonna sit, they're gonna introduce the tent pole features like the, everything that the the new and shiny, and they're yeah. also going to push the fact that oh, and it's much more stable. It's it's they're gonna I don't know even know how they're gonna do it, but I guarantee they're gonna just yeah. gonna spin it in a way that like oh yeah. It is yeah. going to be more stable. I want that. I want that now. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know about you, Jay, but I, for one, am really jazzed about the upcoming stocks app redesign. <laughs> I just can't wait. I'm I counting can't. the days down. And no, I'm just, I'm, yeah. Yeah, well, that was one of the that was one of the points was like, like, oh, yeah, updated stocks app. And that's like, okay, great. Like, who cares? Like, anybody who even cares about stocks has downloaded another stock app. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. Give me a break. Um, but really quickly, I did want to mention, Jay, that um, in just kind of reading through everything, and, and of course, Daring Fireball, uh, one of my favorite sites ever, um, Gruber actually linked to a tweet thread from Stephen Sinofsky, who I believe yes, that formerly... Yes, great, great thread. He worked for Microsoft, Microsoft if I'm not yes. mistaken, right? Yeah, and um, yep. he broke everything down, and I highly recommend everyone out there reading it. It's a great kind of high-level, yeah. um, yet brief analysis of Apple, quote-unquote, pushing the reset button. Highly encourage you to read it and, and really gain a, a really lot of valuable insight in terms of Apple and where they're at now, where they've come, how quickly they've gotten to where they're at, and um, really some really good perspectives. So check it out. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, the one thing I want to add, the, the one thing that I took from that was um, everyone's complaining about Apple bugs, and you have to remember that Apple has almost a billion iOS uh, devices out there so even if like mm -hmm. you have like 0.001% of those users uh, seeing a, a, a certain bug or a glitch or something yeah. like 0.001% of a billion is a lot of people so that's why is, right? you're seeing a lot of people's you know oh that happened to me too or this bug is is mm -hmm. is I see it on my phone too so it, it's a really great thread somebody who knows about scaling software to billions of people, he knows a little bit something about that. So I we it's a long thread. It's like thirty something tweets, but I read the whole thing and I was just like, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, it's it's great, great analysis, great insight. Check it out. Hit up the show notes, and um, in the meantime, Jay and I are going to provide some notes of our own for our final reviews of the show beer, Eliza from Fieldwork. So, Jay, you went first last time. Yes. I will spare you that first review. <laughs> I'll go ahead Thank and go you. for it. I have actually finished it. Nice. And I am going to give it a 425. Right. And um, I have enjoyed it. I, like I've talked about on the show a few times, I really do enjoy stouts. Um, I particularly enjoy the non-bourbon barrel aged variety. So like if I see something like this, I'm immediately drawn to it because it, it has those flavors that are interesting that I want to try, but doesn't have the whole bourbon barrel thing going on, which I don't really drink bourbon or any hard liquor for that matter. Um, but you know what's interesting about this beer, Jay? I, I, as the more that I drank it, I couldn't help but wonder how the bourbon barrel aged Eliza mm. tastes. Okay. And they did actually release that. By the way, I believe it was this past weekend. It's in a white labeled can. It's kind of one of their really special, special releases. Uh -huh. And I couldn't help but wonder. 
And, you know, I have had a couple of bourbon barrel aged, um, notably the KBS that we had at WWDC uh, back in June. And, you know, the, the thing with this beer is to me, it just, it's very sweet. Um, there's a lot going on with the chicory and the milk sugar and, and all those flavors. And it, as the beer warmed, the sweetness really came out a lot and a lot more than I wanted it to come out. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that the chocolate came out a little bit more, um, if anything, and it, and it didn't. It was just all just sugar for me. Mm-hmm. And right. it, it's weird because it wasn't, I wouldn't call it cloyingly sweet, but it was... Um, it was, yeah, it was just too sweet for me. And I, I just, again, I couldn't help but wonder, whoa, you know, what what if, you know, had a little bit of that bourbon barrel, had a little bit of that, a little bit of that kick there to kind of counteract the sweetness from the milk sugar. And I wouldn't be surprised if the bourbon barrel aged uh, or bourbon barrel variety was a four five or even a four seven five because I do like the base flavors. I really did enjoy that chicory um, and the chocolate notes coming in, the 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 roastiness, the uh, the milk sugar. I definitely enjoyed it, but I think that just at the level that it was with the ten percent ABV um, and the fact that as it warmed, it just got like almost sweeter and sweeter and sweeter to me. That right. it just it didn't. It was very good four two five. You know, great rating, um, but. More than one can of these in in a in a in a few day time frame, you know that's it for me. You know, just one can <laughs> like an after dinner, just relaxing, kind of just you know chilling at home at a on a cold winter night. That's yeah. that's the beer for oh, that. Yeah. Um, but um, man, I wonder how that bourbon variety tastes. All right, um, let me start off my rating by saying I like to drink coffee, but I wouldn't call myself like a coffee nerd or a coffee geek but when i do drink coffee you know i do it i I grind my own coffee and i we have a chemex uh but when i drink my coffee i like to drink it black Uh, but when i do go out to drink coffee when we go out to blue bottle or we go out to phil's up here in the bay area i do kind of indulge when i go to blue bottle i'll get their new orleans iced coffee or when i go to phil's i get the um ice mint mojito where it's you know there's cream and sugar and and i'll indulge then um but having this having this beer uh i definitely appreciated it i i liked all the flavors um it was sweet don't get me wrong it was sweet and and the the more that i drank it the more that um it warmed it it wasn't as palatable but that very first sip the very first few sips was like oh this is so good um and you know stouts aren't usually my thing, but I do enjoy them, especially on a night like tonight. It's it, it's gotten cold here up in the Bay Area. It's gotten down to like the 40s, and it was a definite good beer to drink on a night like tonight. Um, I really really enjoyed it. I would definitely have one again. Uh, I would if I could knock it down. It was that it wasn't as good. Uh, the more it warmed and. I, you know, I'm just kind of nitpicking here, but if, you know, obviously this was like an hour long show and mm-hmm. it had the chance to warm, but if I didn't have to talk in on a podcast and I could finish that, you know, in one sitting yeah, while it was still cold, I don't think I could see myself ever wanting any other type of stout other than this one. 
I would give this a, I think this is my first time doing this, but I'm giving it another perfect five. Wow. Two, two fives in a row. Like, this was Ding. damn good. Five, I enjoyed five, it. Five, five, five. Um, yeah. Five, five, five. <laughs> wow. It was, I'm, I, I'm, it was good. I'm not surprised. I mean, the minute you told me that this is a style that you like, I was like, hmm, I wonder if Jay's going to like this. And sure enough, you loved it. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, like, I, I hey, can't. Yeah, the only thing I can fault it for was that it got it wasn't as good as it warned, but like everything mm-hmm. besides that was just like it was damn good. Oh man, that's great. I'm really glad you enjoyed it, Jay. I enjoyed it as well. Did it get a perfect five? No, but hey, you know, sometimes our palettes differ, and that's the beauty of the show, right, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So um in the meantime, where can folks send you New Orleans iced coffee recommendations? You can you can find me. I write over at humblener.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jay Torres and Untapped as well. And you can find me on Instagram at Bay Area Beer Life. You can find me on Instagram at IBU underscore Nick. Our show account can be found at IBU Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. Also hit me up on Untapped at Nick Pro. Um, hit us both up on the show account. Our website, of course, is internetbeerusers.com. Uh, any show beer recommendations, tech topic recommendations, um, anything that you want to throw at us, feedback, criticism, things you enjoy about the show, we're all ears. We're having a really great time doing this. We can't wait to join you next week, folks, for another great beer and in- interesting tech topic. And until then, Jay. And until then, Nick. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to the IPA podcast. I'm your host, Hop Lover 69, joined today by <laughs> Hop Lover 69. Nice. Oh uh, man. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling good from this Eliza, I'll tell you that much. That was I thought it, it was, was good. good. It was good, dude, but it's like crazy. It's, I don't know, dude. I have a feeling too it could be cuz um so I had that coffee and milk and it was good, but then I had I had a crowd the other night I had a crowler of that. And then I had a crowler of coconut milk from oh, Fuelwork. That sounds good. It was okay. It was kind of the same thing. You know, it's a lot like super sweet. Dude, I had the worst diarrhea the next day. It was <laughs> terrible. Like terrible. And then I hit up, I was talking to my friends. Was it, and, is it coffee? Because well, coffee? I don't know if it was them back to back or what, but one of my boys was like, Oh yeah, coconut milk. He's like, That's a natural laxative. Oh. And I was just like, I don't know if he was messing around, but I was just like, Well, that explains it because <laughs> let me tell you, it 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 did the trick. 